0: You're listening to Beyond the Ribbon, a podcast of the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center. This podcast is brought to you by Kia of Amarillo, proud member of the auto Inc. family of dealerships. Be sure to check out their website at KiaofAmarillo.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan.
1: Hey, Ryan. How are you today? Pam, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. You know, oftentimes um, when survivors come to the center, they often ask, "Do you have anything for my uh, the person who is my caregiver? Yeah. Be it a spouse, be it a loved one, friend, family?" You know, we think caregivers are just as special as survivors, right?
0: They really are. The it the 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 thing about caregivers, Pam is. It's not a one box fits all or you can't fit a caregiver inside. I mean, there's just so many options, whether uh, today it's your your spouse, tomorrow it's uh, your neighbor, maybe it's someone you, you know, you grew up with. I mean, a caregiver is a wide range of someone, right?
1: Someone, yes. I um, heard the term care partner. So whoever that might be, um, you know, helping you in your journey, you know, we don't want to leave them out. And so I'm really excited about today's topic because, um, uh, you know, oftentimes they get left out. And so I think it's important that we take care of our caregivers.
0: That's a really good statement. Taking care of caregivers is should be high on the priority list. Um, and so, yeah, we're super excited today um, to discuss this topic um, with someone that, that we uh, searched high and low for. And found online, and and uh, are really excited to have uh, Marika Humphreys joining us today. And let me tell you about Marika. Uh, she's a resiliency coach and recovering perfectionist, which um, I, I can totally relate to. Recovering perfectionist. Uh, some may <laughs> say, some may say, still there. Um, she coaches people who are caregiving for a partner. As her husband's care partner during his five-year battle with cancer, she knows how challenging it can be. She teaches her clients how to calm their mental anxiety, uh, build their emotional capacity and support their spirit so they can become stronger than they thought possible. Marika, thanks for joining us today on our podcast.
2: Well, thank you, Ryan and Pam. It's a pleasure to be here. And um, yeah, I do think, you know, it's funny because you mentioned like caregivers need the love too, right? Um, I think that's caregivers often feel they don't realize that themselves i mean that that was some of my own journey as well as is, is recognizing kind of how important my role is in getting support was in when my husband was battling cancer. So, yeah, I think it's um it is important to recognize the care partner. And I actually recently heard that term, care partner, and I thought um that it is a great a great word. It's better than caregiver because I have to say that most of the time I never thought of myself as a caregiver. Um but I think a care partner is probably more accurate, especially when it's your spouse, you know, because you're also their partner and then you take on this additional role. Um, so I think it's a great term.
1: Yes. And so whenever you hear your spouse has had, has cancer as a caregiver, what goes through your mind?
2: Uh, I mean, for me, I remember when, um, we found out my, when my husband was first diagnosed, um, I mean, it was complete and utter shock. Um, and that's, I think a very common, um, response, you know, very few people, whether, whether you have a family history of it or not, which, you know, these days, a lot of people, we didn't, you know, my husband didn't, um, it, it is a shock. And I remember thinking like, I mean, it, it was a good, I'm sure this varies for everyone. I I was working full time. I had just come back from a work trip over, um, like on the East coast, I'm on the West coast. And my, (laughs) my husband told me in a car ride after picking me up from the airport. And, um, you know, I was just in shock, um, as I'm sure he was, he had actually had gotten the news a couple of days earlier, but didn't want to tell me while I was on my trip, you know? So, um, yeah, there is, a lot of emotions come up and i think that's one of the first things that whether it's you know initial news um he later had a reoccurrence of cancer um a different type um that ended up hip, hip, hip with emergency surgery and that was also well not it, that was also a shock even though he had been in it for several years so i think the first um the first real tip that i have for for care partners is that expect the emotions. I mean, I know that sounds maybe obvious, but our human response to emotions is really to kind of either want to shut them down or run away from them when they're negative, right? Um, And you really can't in this process and and you shouldn't, right? You just want to, uh, the best advice I have is that you want to be open to all the emotions and expect that you will feel them. It is, human nature, again, when you're adjusting to news, that's profound, that has a, you know, your brain is trying to adjust to what does this mean for me? What does this mean for the life that I thought we were having? Um, what does this mean for our future? What does this mean for our kids? Like your brain is going to start with all sorts of questions and it calls into, Your, you know, the, the certainty that you thought you had comes into question. Um, and so the emotions of fear, shock, you know, I, I fear and shock were probably the biggest ones I felt, but I think when it comes to like a reoccurrence, especially anger and grief, are also emotions that come up frequently, and that's probably true for both both people, right? The person with the diagnosis as well as the care partner. Um, so the biggest the biggest um, the biggest kind of tip here um, or recommendation I have is just you want to be open to it and and know that you're normal, and you know that's where you just take a breath, give yourself time to adjust. Um, and ideally, you know, if you have already great coping mechanisms for emotions, whether that's exercise, whether that's a group or a close friend, um, or yoga or, you know, any number of those type of things, that is when you really rely, you know, that's when those habits, if you already have them are going to be really, really useful.
0: One of the things, Marika, I, I find interesting that you said is, um, this is new, you know, like if, if it's a new diagnosis, you know this is new. You're going through this, and it's normal. And I know Pam. That was one of the very first things I remember when we started the found uh, the foundational piece of our survivorship program, which is what you do with the treatment wow. care plan. And I, I I just remember you telling me that a lot of what you do at that point, or your you're finding is you're validating those feelings of it's okay to feel that way. And yeah. It, this is a normal process, and then, as you said, it changes if it's a recurrence, as opposed to a, a first die or a, a initial diagnosis. Um, I, you know, as a, as a caregiver, I, I would or care partner, I would imagine that um, there, it, it, there's this huge emotional like split, if you will, the 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 cancer survivor newly diagnosed or, or recurrence, whatever the status is, the change their emotions are really similar and, but yet completely different from the care partner.
2: I, you know, I, I think that is, um, I, I think it can, I think you can, I think that that's, that brings up a good point, Ryan, because the other thing that I have learned, um, both from my own experience and working with clients is you're each in your own, you're each in your own journey through this. Um, one of the the analogies that I give is it's like two ships in the same storm. You know, you are both both experiencing of it, both experiencing it, but you're experiencing different aspects of it and you're trying to navigate your own ship. So while you're in the same storm, your experience of it might be different at times. And I think for the care partner, what's what's important there is to Um, really respect their partner's journey, because a lot of times, you know, I know for my husband, but also for several of my clients, partners, you know, they, there's a period of um, grief, maybe extreme anger, withdrawing, you know, and it can be as their partner, you can feel very um, kind of powerless to help them. Um, and that is just like, but yet at the same time, they are doing, you know, they're processing it and working through it in the best way. they know how, and sometimes people just need to work through it, you know, and what tends to happen is we want to, from a, you know, a good intention, we want to like try to offer our help and like say, well, you could do all these things to feel better. And if they're not ready for that, it will not land well. (laughs) Like a lot of times that can can cause kind of a, even a bigger disconnect because people, when you're, when you're going through this news and adjusting to it, um, you, you need to have your own time to process it. And that is going to look different for each person. And at the same time, right, the care, the care partner is, may have periods of that as well. I definitely had periods um, when my husband's cancer came back of extreme grief, because I really knew what we were in for. Like we had already been in it and I knew like what the future held. And that was something that I just, and I remember I remember very vividly because I, I remember being at the hospital. My husband had just had surgery to remove the tumor from his head. And um, my mom on the phone was like trying to comfort me. And I, I wasn't, I didn't want it. Like I didn't want to be comforted at that moment. I just wanted to, be, I wanted to grieve because I knew that our, the next year was going to be, you know, battling this cancer again, and we had already done it, you know? So um, while well-intended, she was obviously trying to be there for me, but sometimes the best way to be there for each other is to give space and let, let the person be in their journey where they are and just saying, I'm here for you, you know, just letting them know I'm here for you you know, I love you, the reassurance, but, but trying to comfort with someone's not ready for it is, it, it can land flat. And that's, and that's our natural tendency, right? Especially with, with loved ones, you know, it's hard to see people in pain.
1: Sure. I feel like we have all these emotions and sometimes we try to stuff some of them away that we don't like, but we need to experience every single one of them.
2: That, that is probably the One of the biggest skills that I work with my clients on and and that I learned myself, right, was how important um, it is to feel. And I call it processing because it's a little different um, than when we tend to think of feeling. But to, to work through your emotions, because basically what I found and what I learned is that the emotions don't go away. Like we stuff them and we're really good at that or we numb, right? With TV, food, alcohol, like any number of things that we have to numb our, our emotions, but that doesn't actually address the emotion and the underlying emotion. What tends to happen is it just builds in us. And I think going through both for the, for the person with the diagnosis, and their care partner, like we see this a lot because it's kind of, an you know, you're in a, um, it's a big, it's, you know, it's a big challenge in in anyone's life. And so those emotions don't go away and they tend to build. And that's when, like a lot of, I had a client that came to me recently that she um, had just been trying to hold back her fear. Like just like, I I call it like kind of just trying to like keep the door shut on it because she wanted to be strong. But the problem was that fear had just kept building and building because she wasn't allowing herself to feel it. And she got to the point where she was so afraid to let open herself up. She just thought she would drown in it, you know, and we can kind of, our emotions can become overpowering and feeling like, well, if I let myself feel this, I'm never going to escape it you know, that's the, that's what happens. But the reality is emotions need to be felt and they, then they do move through us. We don't get stuck in them forever. Um, that's kind of our, kind of our miss, you know, our confusion or misunderstanding about emotions that you don't, you don't actually get stuck in them. You only get stuck when you try to hold them back or push them away. That's Mm -hmm. where we create more resistance. So yeah, emotions, they have to be felt and that's, it's not fun. It is, it's not a, it's not fun, but the opposite is also, or the, the other alternative is also not fun. So one at least moves you forward, you know, and that's really, I think the the key there is just moving forward in the journey.
0: But if there's some comfort to be found is what you just said is we don't stay in those emotional states. And I'm so thankful for that because as you said, processing through, I cannot imagine if we did Pam, what it would be like if we got stuck in anger, or if we wow. got stuck in, you know, anxiousness or depression? I mean, if we got stuck there, I uh, think there's there's people like Marika, like our licensed professional counselors that we have to work with um, to help transition along through those processes.
1: Absolutely. Um. So, when you, what is the biggest struggle for a caregiver? Because in my mind, I feel like caregivers kind of put themselves um, in the back burner and don't always take good care of themselves.
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's hard to say like the biggest struggle, but I will say, um, I think what you mentioned is that's my experience as well. Both my experience personally and my experience with clients is we, we undervalue uh, we diminish our own struggle in this journey, right? Um, I did that for sure for the good first couple of years. Um, and when I say what that looked like for me personally was, I just remember thinking like I was, we had been, you know, a couple of years in and um, especially when his cancer came back, like, cause I knew what that meant for us before it was all new. And I didn't really know what we were in for. The second time I definitely knew, Um, and I remember thinking, you know, well, yes, I'm, you know, frustrated. I was frustrated with my job at the time, but I just felt like, but that's not, none of it's important because I don't, I'm not, I'm not, at least I'm not battling cancer. Like, I just felt like, well, my problem is small in comparison. And what I came to realize was that, you know, not only did I, by diminishing my own struggle, um, I really was preventing myself from getting the support I needed Mm -hmm. and to get the support I needed is so I could continue to show up and be the person I wanted to be in our relationship for my husband, for our kid, you know, so thinking that way, kind of diminishing my own struggle because it wasn't cancer, was just it didn't serve me and it really didn't serve my husband it didn't serve anybody um and our you know our own pain there's like nobody's pain is more important than another it's all relative to our own experience um and when you that was the shift that i needed to make like that realization um was the shift i needed to start really getting support at that point. I had been pretty good with like my physical self-care, but I was not, I didn't, I didn't really, I was just kind of trying to like be the superwoman and, you know, that's the perfectionist tendency is like, I could just do all the things and, you know, was getting really burnt out. So I, I that was the shift of recognizing my struggle is also important and it, and it matters because it's how, when I get support, like that enables me to be the person I want to be in this process for myself and for my husband. Like I was starting to not be able to be, you know, I was starting to get resentful. Um, like you just start, you just start kind of going down a dark place when you don't value your own, um, your own struggle in that. And and I will say it's like we, we again, we're, we're in it just as much. It's a very different experience, you know, but we are we are struggling with this, a lot of the same things in in our own way as it relates to you know our our life the future our kids perhaps you know so yeah i um recognizing that your own struggle is is also as important it may not be cancer but it's still important and by getting help you're actually going to be able to be a better care partner
1: so for our listeners, do you have some tips to take care of yourself as a caregiver?
2: So, yes, absolutely. Um, one of the tips, the the easiest one, and uh, don't undervalue it because it's easy, but I always recommend, and this is something I did as well, I recommend highly that everyone, no matter where you are in this process, that you journal, you start journaling. And here is what I mean by journaling. It's a little different than we're kind of thought um, taught to journal. We're not just uh, we're just writing down an account of our day. Um, journaling can really help you provide like a place for all the thoughts and emotions to be released into. So. Like I mentioned, you know, your brain is going to come up with worries about the future, wondering how the kids, worst case scenarios, what if this happens? What if this happens? And we will tend to kind of ruminate on those things either consciously or subconsciously. And you'll know if it's subconscious is if you wake up at 2 a.m., With all those thoughts in your head, which is what happened for me. Um, Conscious, obviously, you know, you just can't stop thinking about, oh my God, what if this happens? You know, that's often like we kind of fixate. And most people's tendency is to want to push those thoughts away, right? We just like, I don't want to think about that. Or if I think about it, it'll make it true or something. And in reality, it's just like our emotions, right? You need to, um, we need to clear those things from our head. So you can do that with a journal. Uh, And I I teach a process that I learned in my coaching program called Thought Download. And you literally download your thoughts, right? You you ask like one great way to do that is what am I struggling with? You ask yourself that question and let everything come out. And you want to do it ideally daily because when you have a place to kind of clear those thoughts from your head, it allows you to be more present. Um, it allows you to show up and, you know, you've you, your brain is no longer burdened with, I got to keep thinking about these possible potential problems. They, you've put them on paper, so they're kind of like taken care of. And it also lets you separate from your thoughts. As human beings, we are really good at... Um, looking for potential problems, like that's how we survived. So, but we tend to get so we think that just because we think something like it's going to be true, or we need to give it our attention. But in reality, it's just we're going to have crazy thoughts, you're going to have like, you know, whatever, based on your own, your past, maybe previous experiences, um, you know, a story you've heard about. So you want to just give some context to the craziness that you're going to be thinking and feeling and let it just see it like, yeah, this is just natural human brain's response to this kind of situation and just separate it from you. So that's huge tip is the journaling, um, doing a thought download. Um, the and second one
1: doesn't have to be perfect. Correct.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And that's where like the goal, that's why I hesitate to, I don't usually call it journaling. I call it doing a thought download um, because the goal here is not for posterity. It's not to like, look at this journal in five years and re- look at your life where I was. It is literally to clear out your brain, mm-hmm. to clear out the worries because the worries will be there And they will probably come back but you want to just you want to unload them and it's the same it's the same process that it when you talk to a counselor or you talk to a coach like that's also what you're doing you're kind of clearing out your worries to like a in a repository but we don't we usually can't do that on a daily basis um and and our friends are often not great repositories for our our thoughts they often want to fix us right so sometimes we just we need to unload and like clear the space. Um, and yes, it it does not like, and you can even, in fact, I have a client who just did this recently. One of her biggest fears was about her kids. And she had a story in her family that she was, why she was so worried, you know, um, and she was just worried about how grief was going to affect them. And she's like, I feel like if I put these into words, it's going to like give it power, And so we had to work through that because I said, you know, the opposite is actually happening. When you don't take it out of your head, it actually has more power because it's just building this fear in your head is just building and building. So what she did is she wrote it down and she would burn the paper. And she said that was really cathartic. And I thought, I love it. You know, like that's a great, that's, I think, a really great way, both symbolically, um, to kind of just, you know, let those thoughts go. Like, just because we think things doesn't mean they're going to happen. It's just our, you know, our brain in a, in a kind of a fear, you know, state.
1: Yes. I
0: really like that. Um, We've talked before, Pam, about journaling. It can be very intimidating, just the word journaling. Uh, But Mm -hmm. thought download sounds so much more simple and easy. I mean. Simplistic,
1: and I love that. And then reminds me of like you have all these tabs open on your computer, and you just close them all out in your brain. Just dump it all on the the page. Yeah, yeah. That's
2: that's a great analogy, actually. Yeah.
0: What else can our uh, care partners do to help ease walking through this journey?
2: A big one is, and I think you also alluded to it too um pam was is you know whatever care routine you do for yourself whatever that looks like do not stop and um you know i there are periods i think this is just the nature of cancer and or any really serious illness right there are periods where you may have to like a hospital visit you know your partners in the hospital or a period of intense treatment or after effects but um you, you know, outside of those periods, whether they're a week or two weeks, you need to get back to whatever you do to maintain your own mental, emotional, and physical health as soon as possible, because our tendency is to kind of drop everything and like put our entire focus on our partner. And again, you can do that in a short period of time, like, you're, you know, if your child gets the flu, yeah, you can stay home and take care of them for a couple of days you know but you cannot do that long term and that's that's um the switch you have to think like you need to think long term and it's really about sustaining your energy for the long term I mean it, this journey can be can be long I mean for me it was five years for me and my husband it was five years so um it's important to maintain your energy because there will be things that will that will you know, that are going to tax your your energy physically, emotionally. So you need to make a conscious effort to like, make sure that the the balance, you know, stays there as much as possible. I mean, sometimes it's just not possible again. But um, again, I think it's countering our, our instinct to want to like say, oh, none of that's important right now. It's mm-hmm. vitally important. Like again, with one of my clients, um, she was not sleeping. Like she was, you know, waking up at 2 or 3 in the morning and then she couldn't go back to sleep. And I had to really tell her, "Look, sleep is vital, you know, and and if you cannot get back to sleep because that was something that I've I've struggled with lots in my life, then let then take a nap like give yourself permission to take a nap and it's not this is not a luxury like you need your basic human energy in order to function and she has young kids you know so i think we tend to think that a lot of our self-care routines are luxuries but they're truly not i mean they are vital to maintaining our energy right so whether that's taking a walk maybe that is a coffee date with a friend like all of those things that y- it can be very easy to just drop or diminish in its importance. But if that connection once a week, you know, keeps you mentally sane and connected, then it's important, you know? And I mean, you don't have to be rigid here, but I just think um, valuing those things and recognizing that they will contribute to your overall health and energy. And that's what you need for the long run for yourself, for your partner, you know, if there's kids involved you know, anybody that needs you, you have to be able, you know, to be and be fit for that, like have the energy for it. Right. You know,
1: oftentimes I uh, meet with survivors and they say, well, I don't have time. And um, this kind of reminds me of the same way. The care partner doesn't have the time, but scheduling that time is just as important because if your cup is empty, you can't fill somebody else's.
2: Yes. And, you know, when we say we don't have the time, what we really are saying is it's I haven't prioritized it Mm -hmm. because we make time for the things that we value and that we see are important. And I did the same thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we none of nobody has time but we all have the same amount, right? But nobody has like extra time just laying around for like, oh, this is my random three hours every day that I have free. Like nobody has that. But that's why, again, for me making the mental shift that my my struggle was important and I needed to value it myself, that was the first step before I actually made the time to do the things that I needed to do. Um, so that's, prioritizing and recognizing that it's a value has to usually has to come first before then you'll then you will make the time right and and it's sometimes you have to make like I always say you know like people think I need to be there you know by his bedside for you know straight no you don't you can walk down the hall of the hospital you know like you can do that you know, again, it's, you won't be able to sustain that is, is basically the bottom line. Um, and it's just making, and knowing that it's seeing the value of it, I think helps make that easier that you, in order to be there, like you said, you can't give what you don't have, right? If your cup is empty, there's nothing left to pour. So if you want to keep giving, you have to fill the cup, right? So, So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and and the thing of it, too, is and we talked about this in one of our previous episodes is you want to take care of yourself before that extreme caregiver fatigue sets in. And um, I just I can't express that enough that it's real. It is very real. And um, I know, Pam, we've talked to folks that that have have, um, struggled through that. And so these are all little uh, things to help help you get you know along the journey so that you don't hit that wall of fatigue and uh, i think you know self care no matter what it is whether it's um simple challenging difficult or short time frame or long time frame take advantage of it and do that uh marika what else can our care partners uh do to to work through things um
2: another you know another this kind of relates a little bit to, um, about kind of respecting your partner's journey in this and, um, is you, you know, connection with your, with your partner or your loved one is still important. And while that might seem like, um, that's something that would just happen naturally, I have find that it, it doesn't. In fact, the opposite kind of tends to happen. And what usually, how that usually shows up is um when a person is a caregiver or kind of in that caregiving role and the other we we tend to like not want to burden our partner with any like anything that's going on for us or you know we don't want to tell them like maybe how we're struggling so we we kind of we unintentionally will put up a little bit of a wall and what happens is it, it disconnects us um the best example I have of this is is one of my clients. She, uh, her husband who had cancer, um, he was her emotional support. Like he was the one who kind of talked her down from like when she was freaking out about something. But once he got cancer, she just stopped even sharing. And she was having some health scares at the time. And she didn't even tell him about it because she didn't want to burden him. But the... The downside of that was she felt very disconnected from him. And I think the other part that we forget here, especially when it's our partner, is that, you know, our partner's still our partner. Like they still want to play that role and feel valuable in the relationship. And if that's something they always did in the relationship, they still want to do that. They they don't want to, like most people don't always want to be on the receiving end of help, right? We all want to be um able to give help as well. So she was kind of in an unintentionally denying him a role that he'd always played in their relationship, which he probably felt good about, you know. Um, she said it was she called it, she called it herself a cancer filter. She said, when I would talk to him, it's like I have this filter on, you know, and I don't tell him about things. So she stopped doing that and, you know, just basically connected again. So I think it's just something to be on the lookout for is if you tend to think that, you know, your spouse can't handle it, or um you don't want to burden them. This is where both I, I again go back to the journaling because that's why journaling can be super helpful. If you've been downloading all your thoughts and fears, like you need a place for those to go so that you can connect with your spouse and you're not dumping on them anymore. You're just sharing, you know, you're just sharing what's going on with you. And that's where connection comes from. So when both people are able to share and be vulnerable. With each other, and um, I think over time, especially that can. It, it, I think two things happen. For my husband and I, we we actually got closer, but there were but people also pull apart too. So I I've seen both. I think both can happen. Um, so just just knowing that you know they they can still support you if that's something that they did, and if you are also getting support. From you know, friend, a coach, a therapist, a group, journal, it's gonna make it easier for you to show up and just connect without like expecting them to solve all your problems.
1: You talk about support. How do you go about finding support for the caregiver and then also the survivor?
2: Well, that's why I think your organization is so fantastic. I I think this really varies. Um, It it just depends a lot on your area um, because I feel like we didn't get any brochures or anything about support groups and we were in a small town. Um, So this does seem to vary a lot. Now, the beauty of the internet is that everything is a Google search away um, and that is probably the best and easiest place to start. Um, but sometimes it's like the terminology, like survivorship center was a new term for me. And I think after we spoke last, I actually searched that up in my local area and I found that sure enough, we have one. And, you know, I'm not, you know, in this journey anymore, but I was just like, that was a term that I didn't know. So there are um, a lot of Uh, you know, there usually are a lot of support options out there. If you live in an area near a cancer survivorship center and most hospitals do have something also for care, for caregivers, like most of them have a support group, but there are also national groups as well. And I'm a coach, right? I'm a life coach. And there are also like, that is another option for people that you can, you know, I do all my work virtually so I can work with anyone in the world. Um, and therapists have to work within their state. That is a great option. So I think, you know, when we value ourself and our our care, then finding the resources is, is like, you know, it makes it easier. But but Googling is probably the best step because it does seem to vary a lot. And I just, you know, I love the work that your center does. Um I, you know, and I guess for people that aren't local is the only thing, right, who aren't maybe aren't able to go as easily, but most there, there do seem to be a lot more lately, even from my time, you know, which has now been about five years ago, like it's already changed a lot, which is, which is good, but it also varies by country and, and stuff like that as well.
0: The the takeaway point of what, what you just said is there are tons of options for support. if. If uh, we, as a person, will value that, as you said, or be willing to try, and that's one of the things I know, Pam, we've talked about is give give something in terms of what we offer as support a try. Um, You know, you mentioned Marika that you know if someone doesn't live locally, they they may have a hard time. Well, you know what? We have counselors who do virtual telehealth counseling. Um, and so we do have options to where if you say, well, but I don't live in Amarillo, I live outside of Amarillo, we, we'll make it work. If there's one thing that myself and Pam and Maribel have learned over the years is how to be super flexible and adapt. And I think um, our our various ways of supporting both our survivors and the, their caregivers or care partners um, is I we we've almost excelled at doing that wouldn't you agree Pam?
1: I do agree you know and we try to find the perfect fit for the needs of the survivor you know if we don't have it we'll find it
0: that's right or find
1: a way to make it happen
0: that's right I think that's one of those things as we were talking right when we first came on uh to have this podcast is coming out of COVID, all of the, the, these, um, options have really kind of fleshed themselves out and, and become a perfect solution for a lot of different avenues. And so, um, you know, that's just, just letting someone support you and find that support is key.
2: I And I, I have to say, Ryan, you, you really hit on the main takeaway there being like trying, you know, because that was something that it took me a while, like both my husband and I, um, you know, our first approach was, we're just going to get through this, and we can handle it, and we're going to get back to our life, you know, Um, and I think that's common, I think that that kind of approach is common at first, and then you recognize that, Um, and you had a guest on a few weeks back that's talked about this so beautifully, like, you know, you we we all do need support and i didn't think i didn't it took me a while to recognize that but when his cancer came back that was when like we both readjusted and and realized okay we got to do something different this time um so i i definitely think that's if if any listener is new to this experience like that is the biggest takeaway is just try something like just be open to it because And if, you know, you always have the option not to go or not, but, but we, we all need more support than I think we, we, we have realized, or maybe even want to acknowledge, you know, I wanted to be very independent. And again, I can handle this and, you know, but this was bigger than me and I needed help. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and the, the one thing too, to throw in here, just as you said, is just try, just try. It doesn't cost you anything at our center. To try something. And if you like it, it's still not going to cost you anything. That's the beauty of what we have. And we're so lucky to have um, the ability to do that where, you know, you you think, well, uh, if, if it doesn't, if it doesn't fit you, all you've lost is some time. Uh, You have not wasted your money or anything like that. So I want to make sure and throw that out there. And then I think that brings us now, as you just said, Marika, you talked about um, kind of an adjustment and talking about adjusting your expectations. And I know that that's a big, important thing, too, for um, both caregivers and survivors as they're going through treatment.
2: Yeah, uh, one thing I I like to think of it as... um, you know, no, no, none of us have done this before. Um, And even when we have done it before, we haven't done it before. Like, meaning if the cancer comes back, you know, you might, you know, a little bit maybe what you're in for, but it's still a new part of that journey. And it's so, this is where I came up front and personal with my tendency towards perfectionism, because um, you really have to give yourself a lot of grace. I think that's true for both parties for all parties involved, I should say all parties, right. Um, You know, we're not, we are not equipped for this. I mean, we don't, we don't come onto the planet with skills to handle this kind of thing. And um, while we learn along the way, you know, we're not going to do it perfectly. There is no perfect. And just giving, just, I love the word grace, like giving yourself grace, giving your partner grace you may get angry, you may lose your temper, you may, you know, behave in a way that you're maybe later not proud of. But, you know, the more you can stay in a period of grace will, will again, move you forward as opposed to judgment, self-judgment or judgment of others. It just keeps you stuck in that negative, like that negative cycle. So um doesn't mean you can't improve, but when you When we judge ourselves, we just stay, we stay stuck in the process of self-judgment or judgment of others, right? Um, So I think it's a big, big, big reminder to just give yourself lots of space, lots of grace, Um, let yourself, another, another great way to think about that is let yourself be where you are. Like uh, you are, you know, if you're in the shock period or the grief period or the anger period, any judgment of that process is only going to keep you stuck in it longer. Just, you know, you will move through it as long as you don't judge it or judge them wherever they are, right? <laughs> That's equally important. Yeah.
1: You have had some amazing tips for our listeners. Is there
2: anything else that you would like to share? Um No, I think we covered we about covered it all. So, yeah, I I would say yes. I mean, it's amazing the, the support that your center offers and that it's free is just amazing. So I would encourage all your listeners to try something and maybe get even a little like outside their comfort zone. Like I know you have some great classes there. I just think that's amazing. It's an incredible opportunity. So go try something. That's my last tip, right? Go try something that you might not.
1: Yes, you know, um, and we encourage caregivers to come to most things. There are some exceptions, and um, you know, massages might be just for the survivor, and some of the special activities. But um, we really like to include the caregivers. So that leads us to our last segment, and um, we are sponsored by the Auto Ink family. Um, do you have an Auto Ink inspiring moment?
2: I do. Um, so you know, one of the um, I think kind of tendencies caregivers have is we, you know, when there's, a, when our partner's in pain or we're like, we want to help them. We want to, we want to make them feel better. And this was definitely my constant, like <laughs> constant struggle um, because as, as, as we all know, right, chemo especially can be very challenging and have a lot of side effects. And, um, there was one night, um, where my husband had, we were actually getting ready to go on a trip. Um, and he got this pain and we were watching TV. We were all ready for the trip. Like our kid was already at the, my parents' house and he got this pain in his chest and he got up and like left the room. Um, and I, you know, and was just when I found him in our bedroom, just kind of like laying on the bed and just like in in pain. And you know, I started kind of freaking out. What can I do? You know, I was trying to figure out what should I Google, like kind of going into busy mode. And he he held my hand. He grabbed my hand and said, "Marika, just love me." And that's what I did. I I I mean, like telling the story now, it still gives me chills to this day because it's stopped me sort of in my tracks of wanting to like go into action mode and i just held his hand and sat next to him and i just remember trying to like exude love and i want you know and in the pain did eventually subside and we went on our trip um you know i the takeaway there is that love is powerful and a lot of times we don't think about it. <laughs> we don't think about it as like a tool to support our partner or to support someone. And sometimes that's all they need. In that case, my husband was able to tell me, right? We, um, Which maybe not everybody is, but I want like all caregivers out there, you always can love them. Like that is always available to you. And a lot of times it might be all that you can do. You know, you can give them their medication or comfort them, get them a pillow, but you can always love them because you won't necessarily be able to make them feel better in any like sort of concrete or medical way, but everybody can receive love. And it allows you to also feel like you're being useful. You know, like I wanted to just help him and I realized that he just wanted me to love him that was huge. So, yes, I want to offer that you can always love. I love that.
0: Yes, I that's a um very inspiring uh moment there. I think no truer words have been spoken um that you can do what you can do and and if it's just simply being present and being and loving your your spouse uh your partner, that is that's uh the greatest. Uh Marika Thank you for joining us. But before we start and in, in close, I want to make sure, give you a chance, tell our listeners where they can find you if they have the desire to uh, reach out to you, to work with you or get more information. Where can they find you?
2: The best place to find me is on my website, Um, um I am also on Facebook at the same name, Coach Marika. Um, but on my website is probably the best place. And I do write regular blog articles specific for people caring for their partners. So I know that's how you all found me. Um, but I think that's also a great, just a great resource for people. Um. Um, and I also do have a, a free little mini course on my website that is again for you know just tips for caregivers. Um, so and and you can also set up a a, a free like consultation call if you're interested in working with me all, all for my website. So that's really the best, the best place to find me.
0: And just for our listeners, this is how you spell Marika's name. It's M-A-R-I-K-A. So uh coachmarika.com and uh, check her out. Um gosh, thank you for. Just blessing our audience with uh, the knowledge of of where you've been, uh, what you went through, and, and and thank you for for sharing from the heart.
2: You are welcome, and this has been um, you know just an honor to be able to talk about it and to to talk about the caregiver journey a little bit. Um, so thank you for inviting me both.
0: Uh, you're very welcome, Pam. It's always time at the end. We always leave our listeners with some homework, don't we?
1: Yes. You know, I think I have an idea for homework. You know, sometimes whenever you're traveling and you're in the airplane and they're given their spill about you got to take care of you first before you can take care of others. Maybe if you are a caregiver or a care partner um, take that time, take that time to do something that um, you want to do, that you enjoy. And it's OK. It's OK to step away from that caregiver role. Um, And do something. Come to one of our classes.
0: That's right. And also, if you guys that are listening, if you are uh, going through treatment or you've um, finished your treatment, I I would encourage you to uh, share this episode with your caregiver, your care partner, uh, and make them listen to it. Uh, maybe they don't listen to the podcast, you know, maybe it's a, it's, it's a you that person, uh, usually I'm thinking it's probably the the woman that listens to podcasts in general. And that's just generalizing. I I'm guessing there, but make the caregiver in your life or caregivers in your life. Listen to this podcast because there's so much here. Um, golly, a uh, lot of, a lot of good nuggets for you to take to heart, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: That's right. Well, thank you guys for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Ribbon and make sure and join us again next time as we'll have another great guest with more great information for you. Thanks again for listening to Beyond the Ribbon. We'd like to extend a special thanks to the Auto Inc. family of dealerships as they have supported the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center since 2016. For more information on the Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website at 24survivorship.org.